Welcome to the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. My name is Mark, and I am the pastor of the Congregation of St. Thomas the Doubter, an independent ecumenical congregation for all people that embraces holy doubt, the importance of grace, and the power of solidarity in community. You can find out more about our congregation online at stthomascongregation.org. This podcast offers the scripture lessons and sermons from our Sunday evening services. In the future, it may also be a place for conversation and discussion on various issues of religion and faith. This is episode 23 and is from the service for January 7, 2024. The scripture lessons are Genesis chapter 1 verse 1-5 and Mark 1 verses 4-11, to and the sermon is entitled, A New Creation. We hope you enjoy the episode. So our scripture lessons for tonight come from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and the gospel according to St. Mark, verses 1, 4 through 11. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. John arrived in the wild land immersing and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole region of Judah and all the Jerusalemites would go out, profess their sins, and get baptized by him in the Jordan River. John was dressed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he'd eat locusts and wild honey. He would proclaim, Coming after me is someone stronger than me. I'm not even worthy of even stooping down to untie his sandals. I'm baptizing you with water. He'll baptize you with Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in the Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Right away, as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit coming down like a dove onto him. Then a voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son. I'm delighted in you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have been in what is called year B, that is the second of the three lectionary year cycles, since the beginning of December. But this is actually only like the second time that we have read from Mark's gospel in that time, which is the primary gospel of year B. B, and that is because once we got done with the apocalyptic stuff in the first week of Advent, there was really nothing else that Mark had for us until we got through the Christmas holidays. That is, Mark's gospel doesn't have a nativity story. There's no Bethlehem, there's no Magi, there's no shepherds, there's no making the trip for the census, There, none of that. There's no flight to Egypt, there's nothing there. That's part of Mark's gospel, that story. It just doesn't exist. So it's not really that helpful for us around Christmas time and in Advent when the other gospels, like 
Matthews and Luke's have the Annunciation, and they have prophetic words anticipating the birth of Jesus, and then they have these lovely birth narratives. Instead, Mark's gospel, likely the oldest of the four, has no birth narrative of any kind. And it chooses to start its message not with Jesus himself, but with John the Baptist. So this was verses 4 through 11 we heard read. Verses 1 through 3 are about John the Baptist, that, you know, coming beforehand. And then we read a fair amount of John the Baptist tonight, describing how he's out in the wilderness, proclaiming a, repent, a baptism for repentance of sins, and how everyone is coming out from Judea and Jerusalem, and they're getting baptized by him. And then at the very end of this narrative, Jesus comes along and is baptized. So we could ask ourselves, why did Mark start his narrative here? Why not? If he didn't know a birth narrative, why not create one that's not beyond the realm of the kind of things biblical authors did? Or why not use an existing birth story from the Old Testament and adapt it to the New Testament context, to the gospel context? Why start with Jesus's baptism? There are a couple of things that we might guess as to why Mark does this. One of them is certainly that the Christian journey often begins with baptism for people. Back in the ancient church, baptism would have been a rite uh, that probably came after some period of initiation. It certainly over time developed the practice that you had to become a catechumen before you could become baptized, and you went through classes and training and preparation. In the very ancient church, it likely wasn't this. In fact, there are stories in the book of Acts that show that the disciples went around baptizing people who just simply responded to the call. And that would be the initiation into Christian life that they would go through. And so there's some thought that perhaps Mark begins his gospel about baptism because Mark's gospel is so concerned with discipleship and with discipleship that emulates the kind of Messiah that we as disciples follow. And so, therefore, we are baptized. Jesus was baptized. We follow him. We emulate his example. And that is why John, or why Mark begins his narrative with baptism. It could also be that if we are talking about birth narratives or Jesus being born as the Son of God, that this is just as fine a way to introduce that as any other. It's, it's long been understood by a, a number of biblical scholars that the title Son of God has a wide array of meanings. At the very least, it suggests a very intimate relationship between someone and God. To describe that person as the Son of God is to say, that in a very real way, this person resembles or bears the image or bears the power or the authority of God. And the early church was pretty unified on proclaiming Jesus as Son of God, but they may have differed as to what that meant. And so while it may be that what it meant to some Christians was how Matthew and Luke present it, in that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, it may be 
how Mark presents it, which, if you're paying attention, is kind of an adoption ceremony. Jesus comes up out of the water, and a voice says, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In fact, there have been movements throughout Christianity over the centuries called adoptionist movements that embraced this idea that Jesus became the Son of God at his baptism. That's not quite established dogma, but it's been around, and it's been around largely under influence of texts like Mark. So we might conclude that Mark has put the baptism at the front of the gospel as the beginning of the gospel because it's through that baptism that Jesus is declared the Son of God and then goes off into his ministry. But there is probably another more compelling reason why this baptism story begins Mark's gospel. But in order to unpack it, we have to learn to think of the scripture differently from how we're inclined to read it. That is, we are often inclined to read the scripture, especially the gospels, especially the Old Testament stories, as that, as stories or records of events. That is, you can go to Israel today or to Jordan, depending on which site you want to buy, <laughs> and there will be people who will sell you tickets to the site where Jesus was baptized, and you can go and dunk yourself in the Jordan. Because it says he was baptized here in the Jordan. That's the fact. That's all we need to know, right? And it's likely that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan for reasons that scholars have identified throughout the years. But the story isn't really about Jesus being baptized in the Jordan. That is a story from Jesus's life, but the way we are told it, the way the story is fashioned, has more to do with why this story winds up at the beginning of Mark's gospel. So the story is interesting because in it, we are told that Jesus comes from Nazareth in the Galilee. He's baptized by John in the Jordan. And then immediately, right away, straight away, there's this Greek word that Mark really likes, euthos, and it means like right away, immediately. Right away, as he's coming up out of the water, he sees the heavens torn apart and the spirit coming down like a dove onto him. And then a voice comes you are my beloved son. I am delighted in you. And if we stop and think that scripture is more poetry than it is prose, even the parts that are obviously stories are still more poetry than prose, then we might think, what might this be an echo of? Is this a kind of poetic retelling of something else we know? And when we pay close attention, we realize that the thing this is an echo of is the very passage from Genesis that we heard read earlier. In the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning of God's creating of the world, the world is presented as a formless void, a watery abyss, and we are told that God's spirit hovers over the face of the waters. And then God says, let there be light, and there is light. So that in that creation account, in that verse, there is water, 
and wind and voice and light. And what do we have in Mark's story but water and light and wind or spirit and voice? We have all four of the same things in the baptism story that we have in the creation story. And so when something like that happens, it is unlikely that it is an accident that the biblical author included those elements in it. That you have word, water, spirit, and light all in the same narrative suggests that what Mark is doing is he is presenting the beginning of Jesus's ministry as a new creation. That it has the echoes of the old creation. That it has God's spirit. It has the water. It has the light. It has the voice. And that all of those things are present. In fact, Mark begins his gospel saying the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, echoing in another way the beginning of Genesis, where it says, in the beginning, God created, or in the beginning of God's creating. And so there are these conscious echoes in the narrative that are less about the details of which side of the Jordan was it on, was it on this side, was it on that side, was it up the river, down the river. Those are not at all what the gospel narrative is, is concerned with. The gospel is telling us from the very beginning that Jesus's ministry is a new kind of creation. It's a new creation on top of the old one. Now that also has significance for us when we are called to remember our baptisms, which I will grant you, for most of us, is very difficult to do, literally, since, you know, I was six months old. I mean, I have the certificate. My mother saved the certificate, and I have it framed, so I know what happened. I just have no recollection of it. So it's very hard for me to, to literally remember my baptism. But, as we've talked about before, biblical remembrance is about reenactment. It's about reinterpretation, about reliving and so when we remember our baptisms, what we do is we recommit ourselves to the fact that we are made new, that we are recreated, that we are part of a new creation in the world. And what does that creation look like? Well, the rest of the gospel tells us. It's where the first shall be last and the last first, and where the poor are lifted up and the mighty brought low, and where the hungry are fed, right, and the strangers welcomed, where grace is doled out to people without concern for merit, right, that that's the kingdom of God. That is the new creation. That is the thing that Jesus has come to herald. And in fact, after his baptism, he begins to preach. The kingdom of God is at hand. Change your lives and believe in the good news. That's the whole point and all of that we understand is part of a new creation, both for us as individuals and for the whole world. It's so easy for us to think of baptisms as simple rituals that we go through, rites of passage that we have to check off the list. It's easy for us to look at Jesus's baptism and say, well, you know, I guess he had to do that too, and so that's good. 
But what it really signifies for us, what Mark is telling us, is that in this moment begins something wondrous, something new, something no less significant than the creation of the world itself, but a creation that begins in us and is lived out through lives of justice and grace, peace and love. Thank you for listening to this episode of the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. For more information about the podcast and our congregation, visit www.stthomascongregation.org. Thanks again, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Thank you.